Welcome to Talk Story, giving space for stories unheard. I'm your host, Alec Brownridge. Welcome to our second episode on play. Last week, our guest Aaron shared how play can be used as a tool of communication and healing. This week, our new guest shares how play can be also funny and competitive. Without further ado, I am simply Courtney. Um, I am an Austin comedian slash beatboxer. I'll just say entertainer. Um, that term, I think, a lot of times it doesn't get used enough. A lot of people forget what the heck they do. And for me, I entertain. Like I'm, You could find me around town with my crew, the Beatbox Brigade. That's my homeboy, Ben Buxlow Production. And we, it's a crew of five guys that beatbox. You can find me telling stories. I think I met you over at a Hyde Park, you know, backyard. Um, or you can find me on stage telling jokes. Or, as I was talking about a little bit earlier, writing jokes now for people at the panel show on Thursday nights. But, yeah, entertainer. Simply Courtney, entertainer. Okay. For for you being an entertainer, mm-hmm. how does play, what's, how does play, how do you play as an entertainer? As an entertainer, I play in a multitude of ways. Um, I Most of the time, I call them challenges. And so it's me trying to challenge myself, whether it's going up and doing a joke that I'm not comfortable with or doing a joke in a room that I'm not sure how it's going to go over well, because how it's going to go over because I don't know the people. Or um, I'd like to say what I do on stage is play. My biggest thing is if you're not having fun on stage, why are you doing what you're doing? Whether you're a magician, magician, musician, uh, comedian, you know, you can say improvist, uh, sketch, stand-up, whatever. My ultimate goal, obviously, is to entertain the crowd. But then my secondary, like you could say, like a 2A or a 2B, you know, is I want to come off feeling fulfilled myself. Like, oh, my God, I was laughing. Like, I did, I had so much fun up there. Like, I had a set in a Waco where I kind of played around with the audience a little bit. I was, um, I just kind of got, you know, I have a bit that I do where I leave the stage, which is normally something you don't do in stand-up world. But I'll leave the stage, but I will keep a bit going from different parts of the um, room or wherever I'm performing at. And so in this particular one, I just went all out. I was just like, you know what, let's see how much I can push the envelope and how comfortable and uncomfortable these people will be with me doing said, you know, envelope pushing. And so I just walked around. I think at one point I grabbed the hula hoop and was joking with that. I sat down next to a person and started eating their trail mix and talking <laughs> Like, this whole, you got to keep in mind, like, the whole time there's all these people watching, like, what in the hell is this guy doing? But um, I, I try to have fun. Like, I was telling my friends, the other comics, they were like, you were really enjoying yourself up there. I said, yes. I I came off smiling. Like I say, when I'm performing, if I don't come off smiling, it's because I didn't enjoy what I was doing, you know? And there are those sets. Sometimes you have a show that you book, and it's just, you're just kind of going through the motions. You go on autopilot, and you might come off kind of like a... Uh, or it didn't go well. But I say that you should hopefully have a moment that you can look back when you perform, especially for myself, that you were like, wow, I enjoyed that. You know, whether it was the audience's response or just what you did. Because every now and then, you know, we get caught up and we'll think about what we're doing. And we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're letting me do this in front of them. I can't <laughs> believe I'm getting paid to tell this joke. You know, like this is my crazy thought. And y'all are 
entertained by me telling you all this. Like, it's, I don't know. I enjoy that. That's an aspect of comedy I think that's really enjoyable. So, how did you, how did you get into this world of comedy entertainment? Mm-hmm. And what, yeah, what, <coughs> and how has this journey been since you started? All right. So, first part at the direction is actually, it's going to go right back to play. <laughs> like, I work Parks and Rec, and I consider um, Parks and Rec, when we, I actually majored in that um, from Texas State. My degree is education, and then the concentration is recreation administration. And so we would tell people, and a lot of times people hear that, and they're like, oh, you get paid to play. And I was like, I guess so. But, I mean, play is an important thing, and um, it's true. But I got into entertainment. Um, as a kid, I was always around it. My sister was a singer. Uh, my mom always put on these big old productions. And she always was a person that was doing speeches and all that. And I would see this and kind of be prepped and primed to be in front of people. I never tried to do comedy or anything like that. However, until I was working in the city of Austin, um, was at Parks and Rec, and I did a, um, I did an activity. There was an activity for the kids that my summer camp. They were always these little nine to twelve year olds that would tell these little crazy stories and these jokes and stuff while we're driving places. And I was like, you know what? Let me harness. Let me find an activity that can harness that attention. That um, that, that 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 stuff that they like to do, you know, like they like to tell these jokes and mm, <laughs> giggle. And I said, okay, well, let's make an activity based around that. And so what I did is I said, let's make an open mic. And I didn't call it open mic. I um didn't know what open mic was then. I said, I'm gonna make a little uh, microphone stand for y'all, and I'm gonna set the chairs up theater round style. And from one o'clock until one thirty. Everybody's going to have a chance to go up and tell a joke or tell a story or whatever they want. Mm. And so I remember I had prepped it. I made the microphone stand. I was so proud of myself. And it finally came time to have them do it. They wouldn't get up. And so I'm sitting there like, wait, what's going on, guys? Y'all do this all the time. Like, why don't y'all want to do it? And they, were just, they wouldn't budge. And so one of the things you learn when you do Parks and Rec is that if you're going to get some kids to do an activity, you have to do it yourself. In order to get them, you know, vested in something, you have to show that you're willing to do it as well, willing to partake. And so I was like, okay. And so I got up and I just went up there and I started just playing around with little things around the room, just being goofy or whatever, telling stories, making fun, whatever. But as I did it, it got them more comfortable and they would get up and come after me and they, you know, do their thing. So that became the way that I initiated that activity every, like, every other day. And I think I got to the point where I would do it. It would almost be like me doing about 10 minutes, I think, of time. And it was funny because one day I had a, um, I had a staff member in there so sitting there with us. And I was doing everything. She's laughing. The kids are laughing. And afterwards, it's like, you should try open mic comedy. And, of course, my response was, what's that? <laughs> I was like, wait, what's open mic comedy? I didn't know there was a such thing as an open mic comedy. Like, what? She's like, you know, go look it up. And so I went on the computer in my office and I looked up. Austin's open mic comedy scene and I found all these different open mics the times and the dates and I say you know what I'm gonna try it and I tell you this I made two different little tabs on my desktop those bookmarks stayed there for two years I was terrified <laughs> I, I didn't try I, I was I want to try it but I was uh, uh, I'm not sure I, I think I'm funny, but I don't know what what do I do this and so I didn't do it, and it also helped that I was I was married at the time, 
and I had so much, I had so many more things on my plate um, that I was just kind of like, ah, I don't have the time to do it. You know, having kids at home and having a wife and all of that. I'm like, I already worked full time. I should just, you know, go home. And when I had a divorce, there was a divorce that happened. And I kid you not, probably maybe two weeks later, at least a week later, something like that. I found myself at an open mic and I picked it up and ran with it and I've been doing it for the last four or five years. But um, it was it was one of those weird journeys that I tell people, like, I didn't just go straight to it. I took two years of just thinking and being like, I think I want to try it. And then finally, I think the kick in the butt of, you know, not having an excuse that was what ultimately helped me out. But yeah, it all came back from Parks and Rec, you know, the place that we get paid to play at. Okay. Um, you said, and then I think the second part of your question was, um, how's the journey been? Yeah, rocky. <laughs> it has. It's, it's it's not. I mean, it's not the worst. It's it's easy because I'm I'm from Austin, and so I live here and I have access to so many different things here. But at the same time, you have this self doubt that creeps up. I don't know, you know, where you're at with the yoga stuff, but you have the self doubt where you're like, man, am I? doing the right thing am I good at this am I good enough to you know keep doing this you know every once in a while you might see somebody else that's doing something and they're just like flying off you know literally and figuratively and you're like man I don't know why that's not happening for me but at the same time I think it's you know everybody's timing is different you know somebody might be 19 years old come out and be funny just out the out the rip Another guy might come out, he's 26 years old, was married, worked full-time, just graduated college, um, has kids, and now he wants to play, you know, start doing comedy. You know, everybody's timing is different. And who's to say that you're going to, you know, figure it out so quickly up front? Like, for me, I'm still trying to figure out who the heck I am on stage. That's, I mean, yeah, that process is so, and like, and it is right, you said different for everybody mm-hmm. and being patient with yourself if you don't feel like, oh, I didn't get it right away. Like, I'm not there That's right it. away. I mean, I was reading, it's a book I read. I said, I think it's so good they can't ignore you, but it comes from a Steve Martin quote mm-hmm. about how he approached comedy, mm-hmm. right? He, and how he said, you know, you just have, you, you really just have to perf- keep practicing, right? Yes, sir. It's a craft. It's a craft, right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing. He, it was a book about like about why following your passion is not necessarily the right advice. Mm-hmm. Like you can have your passion, and and you can be successful and you can be happy and successful. But it's not because it's your passion. His argument is because you've you've approached like a craft, you're a craftsman. So this guy's author puts in the Steve Martin quote and talk about you know how his comedy, also how he approached learning the banjo and mm-hmm. how, cause he like basically spent years and years years of practice in the same way he talks about all these different, like people across from scientists to other musicians, all the stuff about how it's about like, it's like, you don't necessarily need to passion to be passionate about it. But if you do, that's great. Right. But it's really about like, it's the effort. Also it's about eventually you find that. And like, yes. it's about recognizing this is where you're at, you know, accepting your reality. But that means when you accept you, your present, that's when you can grow. Yeah. If you don't, if you live in an illusion of like in a fantasy world, you're not going to actually be able to actually change and grow. Agreed. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, I think the hardest part for most of us, I mean, when you're pursuing something, and I, I, was, I had this thought yesterday, no matter what, you're comparing yourself to somebody else. Like, and then, and then 
I was like, and then here's the cool part. This is the part they don't say. Somebody's comparing themselves to you at this very moment. Like, you'll think like, oh my God, I don't have it together. I'm not this. I'm not that. And there'll be somebody watching you going, man, I don't have it together. Like, I don't have it together like Alec does. I wish I was doing that. And you're looking over at somebody else going, man, I don't have it together like that person. I don't want it like that. And so it's always the stair step, which I don't necessarily think is a total bad thing in itself. Obviously, I think it gives you a little bit of a perspective and it allows you to, I don't know, it gives you, gives you a little bit of guidance as to what you want. You can see something, you know, instead of just putting it out there and going, I don't know exactly what that is. No, you actually have something that is almost tangible for you where you feel like, okay, I can reach out and touch that, you know. Um, it's funny, though, because, yeah, we, we, I think the best advice I ever saw for comedy <coughs> was um, if you could learn how to general, genuinely be happy for others' success and also not compare yourself to people, meaning not worry about it. You can compare yourself but not worry about what they're doing. You'll give yourself so much more life in this business. And I believe that's so true because, like, you get weighed down by stuff that's not even in your control. There's a guy on the other side of the country. He's being successful. So what if he's two years younger than you? So what if he's blah, 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 yada, yada? You don't know exactly what he did to get there. And it doesn't matter. You see the end result, you know? And at the end of the day, who's to say that you can't do that? There's enough success. There's enough space for people, for everybody to be successful. And so why worrying about one person making it? Oh, my God, he's going to have the, the, the market cornered of those kind of jokes. Yeah, not it's not so not quite, you know, everybody. There's room for everybody. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, I love that idea that no matter how much you think a person has together, there's something they're insecure about. There's something that they wish they could do better. And that, mm -hmm. that kind of helps you put things in perspective. We all try to grow and change. You know, we're all on the journey. Yeah. I think that's the beautiful part of being human, right? Is that we all are on this crazy journey and we, we mm -hmm. have self-doubt. And yeah. we are, everyone's dealing with it in their own way. And like they're not really up, no, they're not going to show it to you. And doesn't mean they're not going through something, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's the crazy part, I think. To the whole competition aspect, like that's play right there. We, mm -hmm. we like play is com like can be competitive, and it's yes, and it's, and, it's and you brought up like earlier on. It doesn't. It's it's this balance, right? It's not like necessarily a bad thing to compare. Like it's Correct. a way to push yourself, it's a way to motivate Correct. yourself. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's if you attach yourself to that, yes. then you got then you're not worried about what makes you happy, right? That's like, a problem. Yeah, it makes me happy. You know yes. that's and that's. And that's like the comp if the competition doesn't go against that core core principle of yeah. what makes Courtney happy, then you're not doing what then you're the competition is not you serving its purpose anymore. Yeah, and it, it has to push you. Like you have to I think a certain amount of uh, what is it, like competitive sports. There's a thing that it does to you psychologically where um, and of course we can talk about I guess in the parks and rec, I'll use some of my parks and rec stuff was a flow. There's a point where you get so focused and you get so locked in on what you're doing that you get it to a point where you just you're just responding as muscle memory after a while because you're so locked in. It's not a, a like they have the flight, the fright, and the uh, was it the fight, flight, and fright, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm like the two the Fs, but not any cuss words yet. <laughs> but you get so focused in on locked in on what you're doing because you're like a really um, 
you really want to succeed at this, that you get it to where it's just easy, you know? Like somebody looking at you just sees you barely moving your arm, but in actuality, you're all over the place, Matrix Neo style, you know? And I don't know, it's, 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 it's interesting because I think that you have to have a healthy amount of competition or, or uh, what is it, stress. That's the word I was looking for. A healthy amount of stress is a good thing because you're challenging yourself. You know, you are going up. Like for me, uh, he's the comedy world in this one. You have to go up after a guy has just laid waste to the room. I'm talking in a good way. To where everybody's double over laughing like, ah, ah, oh, oh, you know, and now you got to come up right after that. That's not a bad thing. That's that's a good thing because I think anybody that does anything, you need to have a moment where it's a gut check to you, you know. And so I feel like with stress, we do need some a certain level of stress on us. And so competitions are a necessary evil. I can't believe I just said that, but I did. It, you can, it kind of goes to what you talked about before about the joke that's like seventy thirty, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're if you don't if if it's not a risky a risky environment, if if you're not as a, I mean, I feel like that's a lot living in the state of comedy. It's like, you yeah. don't, you, um, I bet you could play it safe and you can get like some jokes here and there, right. some laughs here and there. Right. But, but to really get that, as you said, brought earlier, the, that big payoff, sometimes uh, you have to take, you know, you know that it may not, it may fall flat. Calculated risk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh man, it didn't work. Hey man, that's collateral damage, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> an occupational hazard. Yes, sir. It's, it's so true. And sometimes your best bits become things that you don't feel comfortable doing. Um, you have a moment where you're kind of like, you know, but it respond like the response to, from the audience is like, you're doing the right thing. But yourself, you're like, awkward. But when you start seeing the responses consistently there, who are you to stand in the way of that? You know, it's like you're standing in the way of yourself. Like, well, who's in the way you are like, get out of your own way. And that's a lot of what I've, I think I can say that's a lot of what I've definitely uh, got from this journey, as I call the struggle and all of that, is that oftentimes, you know, they call that fear of failure. It happens. You're just like, oh, I don't want to, I want to play it safe. I just want, I'm okay with getting chuckles instead of, ooh, or silence. It's like, man, but don't you want to, ah, or people come to you afterwards and, be able to quote your joke. Like for me, that's one of the best things about what I do is connecting with people in such a way that they can either go back and tell your joke to other people or I see like there's a moment and I'm not going to pick this up on the, I'll describe it so they can, whoever's listening can catch what I'm saying. As a comic, for me, one of my favorite moments when I'm performing and I look up because I'm reading everybody constantly while I'm performing. I'm seeing this group is looking at me, this group's not looking at me, they're drinking, they're talking, whatever. I'm constantly looking, but I'm still performing. And one of my favorite moments is when I tell something, I say a joke or whatever, and I see somebody not even like saying it out loud, but they're like looking like, <laughs> and then, or they, like they're looking with a blank stare, which means I know they're, they're fully vested, you know? Or I see them nudge somebody next to them and say, that's me. Like, they're like, yeah, man, do you do that? Or, heck yeah, or, uh-huh, I thought that. You know, like, I feel like at that point, I'm in a person's head, like, to the point where I can get, like, the joke when I'm speaking out in question, I can get them sometimes to answer the start of the joke before I even get a chance to say it. And it's simple. Some people say, oh, it's simple. And I mean, my name is Simply Courtney. What'd you expect? 
<laughs> but it's it's a beautiful thing to get people to read ahead. Like I don't know if you remember those moments in school where you knew the answer before the teacher even got through the page. Mm-hmm. Reading ahead. I even every once in a while say, ha, I see some people reading ahead. That's fun for me because I know I got you. I know I know you're listening. You're vested. And so when I hear people do that, I'm like, aha, I'm doing the right thing. You know, aha, aha. You know, it's this beautiful thing. But it's, it's a fulfilling thing. It's a soul um, scratcher for me. I like the idea that um, where we're at right now and the current political climate, I remember like when I started doing Parks and Rec, I was like, you know, they don't need us. I mean, I still, I told myself that sometimes I said they really don't need recreation. It's not necessary. And I mean, even in school, we talk about it actually is because, you know, between exercising and just like it's physical and mental and spiritual fitness and all of that, you need that. And where does that come from? Recreation. People are, you know, at their best when they're at play. Um, if you just work all the time, you're going to be a horrible, dull person eventually. So you have to kind of get out of your, you know, routine and go play for a little while. I feel like right now, more than any other time, we need stuff like that. Like play. I don't even care if it's, I don't care if it's just Scrabble for a few seconds on your cell phone. I think you need it now more than anything else. Unplug. Um, get away. I used to always say, come and go do this. No, go do what you need to do. If you need to go and go to Mont Bonnell and go scream at the top of your lungs at 3 o'clock in the morning, go do that. You know, if you get a kick that somebody's going to come by and go, what the heck? And then you go run to your car and go drive away. Go do that. As long as you're not hurting anybody else. Or hurting yourself, I think you need to just just let loose. I think everybody really needs to have a moment where they can be themselves and not be themselves at the same time. And I know that makes no sense, but it does. Like lose yourself. Um, so much stress. We're constantly hit with so many different weird and crazy stories about the world around us. Like they still say, if you really knew how bad things were, you wouldn't be a happy person. I feel like we get closer and closer every, you know, new technology that we add into our, you know, I guess this is the lexicon now of YouTube, Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, Instagram, um, Snapchat, all that stuff. You know, it's a new way of us getting more things thrown at us. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I don't think we need to know all that. Like, this is more time for us to either one, be working or be sitting here doing that. And I don't necessarily consider that play. I know somebody can say, well, what if they their play is reading the gospel column? Then I guess my, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, been turned on his head. But nonetheless, I think getting away from being worried and being scared is more powerful and important than ever right now. The Talk Story team is Abe El Raheb. Filmmaker, photographer. And I'm Alec Brownridge, your host and producer. Talk Story is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Talk Story Show. Check out our website, talkstoryshow.com. Mahalo.